Come on now, there we go. It's great to see you. Glad you are here and weathered the rain to be with us this morning. And I said this last week, but I say it often uh, that if we've not met you, if I've not met you, would love to meet you. Uh, so after the service, please uh, say hi if we have not met you. Uh, would love to, to know you. We are in a series in the Ten Commandments. Uh, hopefully and prayerfully, we are understanding more and more that there is not a wedge between God's law and God's grace, but rather it is God's grace that he has given us the law. These Ten Commandments, they're not a list of, of ten standalone commands, but more so a pathway of freedom leading us into a life of communion with God. That's what we're looking at every week. There are a number of topics that I know uh, that when we address them, if and when we address them as a church, unsettles all of us. Uh, and the fourth commandment is one that I know, if we're honest, unsettles everyone here. The command to remember the Sabbath day. And here's why this unsettles us. We live in an anxious world. And there is no better way to disrupt the anxieties of modern li life than rest than Sabbath. Heard a pastor say, I, he said, I used to emphasize to people the spiritual disciplines of engagement, disciplines like Bible reading, prayer, Bible study, acts of mercy. And without diminishing those, he said, I now more often emphasize disciplines of disengagement, disciplines like solitude and silence and fasting, Sabbath. I love that because I don't think our current age and even the current American church needs more information with a list of to-dos, but I do believe that we are dying for more guidance on how to rest. And there's nothing more countercultural in our current age of anxiety than Sabbath. So we're going to read Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. As our custom, I'm going to ask you to stand, and then we will turn our attention to God's word. Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Isaiah tells us the grass withers, the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would come and do what only you can do, which is penetrate our hearts, illumine our minds, lead us to know you more, to experience you. We pray that Christ would become bigger and bigger and our rest in you would be deeper and deeper. Would you bless your word and may the spirit of God speak to our spirits. Remove me so that Christ and him alone is exalted. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can have a seat. I think it's important in this series to just kind of remind us every week a little bit to, to the context by which these commandments are given. Uh, these commandments are not, again, a standalone list. They were commands given from the top, the top of Mount Sinai, written on tablets of stone for thousands of Israelites who had just been liberated from hundreds of years of slavery. The Israelites are ex-slaves who generation after generation after generation experienced back-breaking work and sweltering heat seven days a week 
And the Egyptians were their taskmasters, driving them and pushing them, never giving them a day off, never having vacation, receiving no benefits from their work. This was their life. And God sets them free from this old life and ushers them into a life of freedom. And God gives them this commandment, or better put, God gives them this gift. Remember the Sabbath day. I want us to look at four things this morning. What is the Sabbath? Each week we've tried to define these commandments to understand their depth and width a little bit more. So what's the Sabbath? Secondly, why is this command so hard? Third, why should we keep it? And lastly, how can we keep it? So let's look first, what is the Sabbath? I think the rest of verses 8 through 10 help give us a definition. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Keep it holy. Holy means set apart, sanctified, betrothed. I felt like every week somehow we've used an analogy somewhere in our sermons of marriage, and, and I think that's because marriage is the closest analogy uh, that we might understand in our culture for what a covenant is. And the giving of the law that God gave, gives to Israel here is God's renewal of his covenant with his people. Now I say that to say when someone marries, they pledge to honor that person, whether it's convenient or not. So, for instance, when my anniversary rolls around, and we get to celebrate the day we got married, I better honor that day or else I will get the appropriate reprimand, right? That day, our anniversary is different than the re remaining 364 days of the year. It is set apart. It's different. It's distinct. It's to be honored. Sabbath is a day that is set apart, different than the other six. Now, that does not mean that the other six are secular days and the Sabbath is a sacred day. Our passage says six days you shall labor uh, and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. This, I could preach a whole sermon on this command dealing with just work uh, as much as I could preach on the Sabbath. And so let me give you a little bit of a, of a side on, on work. All of our six days are sacred just as much as is the Sabbath. We are to go about our work, our jobs, our vocations, our work within our homes unto the Lord. Our faith as Christians is deeply woven into our work. Work is not post-Genesis chapter 3, post-sin entering into the world. Work was part of God's original design before Adam and Eve ever sinned and before sin entered into the world. Work is good. It was cursed, which makes work hard at times, but it's a good thing. And this is why we as a church are passionate to help people in unemployment gain employment. Because work is part of being created in God's image, having dignity. And so I, I just encourage you to listen to some of our past sermons that we've preached on faith and work. Because uh, it is vital to understand how the six days of work are to be unto the Lord. It's also one of the reasons why we're offering this ability to do the Triangle Fellows. We, we think it's important to help you understand how to integrate faith and work. But the Sabbath day is different. It's holy. It is the day that orients and orders all the other days. Now, some of you might know this, but the Ten Commandments are laid out 
at two different times in our Bibles, in the Scriptures. Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. And the fourth commandment in each of these books gives different rationale for observing the fourth commandment. Our text this morning, Exodus, grounds observing Sabbath in creation. Verse 11, God rested, we're to rest. God's pattern in creation is to be our pattern in creation, in the way we live our lives, because we're created in his image. But Deuteronomy grounds Sabbath in liberation. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 5. You remember the Sabbath day, because you shall remember you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. The Sabbath is intended to orient our hearts and our minds to the truth of our Creator, and that we're His creation, and the truth of being set free from bondage to sin. That we are set free by faith in Christ from the chains of sin. Sabbath is a day to orient and order all the other days. And this is why the Christian church now celebrates Sabbath on Sunday. For Jews, and you're going to hear me throughout this sermon reference Jews because they teach us a lot about how to observe the Sabbath. For Jews, Sabbath is Saturday. For Christians, it's Sunday. Because Jesus resurrected from the dead on Sunday. And Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit descended on the church, was Sunday. The day of resurrection and the day of the Holy Spirit descending are the days that now orient and order our lives as Christians. This is why Sunday is now our Sabbath, because it orients and orders our lives. 2002, the New York Times uh, did a fascinating 10-day series about the Ten Commandments. And each day they related uh, that day to the uh, commandment that went along with that day. And for the Sabbath command, they told the story of a Jewish couple. Both were physicians in New York. They were later in their lives, and uh, they had come back to their faith and practiced a version of the Sabbath. And the husband uh, particularly worked with children who had HIV. It was very taxing on him emotionally, a lot of sadness, a lot of darkness. And this is what he said in the article. He said, I began to be drawn to more organized Jewish religious life. I needed a place where I could go after what I saw in the hospital. He said, I see things, bad things happen to people. And he said, I needed to contemplate things beyond the here and the now, beyond the material world. You can go to therapy to deal with some of this, but therapy can only help you find out who you are. It cannot answer why I'm here. Right? What he's saying is that the Sabbath is a day that orients us to why we are here to who God is and who we are in him. And then in this, it orders our lives so much so that the remaining six days are unto the Sabbath. Lauren Winter, professor at Duke Divinity, wrote a book called Mudhouse Sabbath. And in it, she cites an insight from a, a Jewish rabbi. And this is what the rabbi says. The three days that follow Sabbath are to be spent in reflection upon remembering the one that just passed, and the three days leading up to Sabbath are spent in preparation for observing the one approaching. I think that's great. Because the one day Sabbath is meant to orient and order all of our other days. It helps us make sense of the rest of our days. That's the Sabbath. So why is observing Sabbath so hard? Here's the first reason. We're always busy. 
I mean, the demands of our jobs, the demands of home, the demands of not wanting to miss out, the demands of wanting more, needing more, earning more, keeps all of us busy. I don't know about you, but I'm personally tired of using this phrase when someone asks me how I'm doing, and I say I'm busy. Tired of using that phrase. Busy has almost become an applauded response to the question of how are you doing? We applaud busy because that means we, we have drive, we have ambition, we work hard. Mark Buchanan in his great book on the rest of God reflects on being busy. This is what he writes. All the times I never swam in a cool lake with my children, made a snowman or baked sugar cookies with them, or lingered in bed with my wife on a Saturday, or helped a friend in need, all because I was in a hurry. Well, just that. I don't remember what, just in a hurry. We're so busy that we don't stop and we miss out on all that God is offering us. This is one reason I think it's hard for us to observe Sabbath. Here's the second. We're always connected. We're always connected. Even if we stop our busyness, everyone is still connected to a digital world, living with constant digital distractions. Our technology keeps us connected. Smartphones, computers, email, Facebook, Instagram, alerts, alarms, we're always connected. Andrew Sullivan, who's a well-known web blogger, wrote a blog, What is to be a Human Being? Writing on the addictions uh, in our culture of technology, our constant need to be connected. Listen to what he wrote. He said, a small but detailed 2015, So fast forward three more years, the numbers are even more, I bet, today. A small but detailed 2015 study of young adults found that participants were using their phones five hours a day at 85 separate times. Most of these interactions were for less than 30 seconds, but they add up. Just as revealing, the users weren't fully aware of how addicted they were. They thought they picked up their phones half as much as they actually did, but whether they were aware of it or not, a new technology has seized control of around one-third of these young adults' waking hours. Do you know that places like Silicon Valley are now offering silent retreats, detox retreats from technology? And they're selling out capacity because the addiction to digital connectedness is real. Let me ask you a question. When you're all alone in a room, what do you do? Are you tempted to reach for your phone? I often am. Heck, I believe that technology is a place that we can turn to so that we don't have to deal with our real emotions. Loneliness, fear, sadness, pick up my phone. It's a way to numb the pain. This makes hard It makes it very, very hard to rest. You know the Chinese character for busyness? The Chinese combine two different words to form a new character for busyness. And they put the word killing and heart together to form the word busyness. I think that's brilliant. For the inability to rest takes its deepest toll on our hearts. The kind of rest that God is talking about on the Sabbath is not just setting up perfect circumstances. It's, it's a deep soul rest. It's an REM of the soul. 
Have you ever crawled into bed for a nap or for a, a nighttime and the circumstances were perfect? It was a little cool, it was perfectly dark. Sheets maybe had just been washed, they're clean sheets, soft pillow, you close your eyes, but you can't go to sleep. You can't fall asleep. Why? Because your mind is churning, your heart's churning, your mind and heart are racing. In the same manner, we can stop being busy. We can turn off our phones and we could turn it to, to the gray setting so it doesn't distract us, which aren't altogether bad places to start. But you could have the perfect set of circumstances to rest, but your heart still churns and your heart continues to race. I think the, the real struggle in our inability to rest comes from our need to justify our existence. We can't stop working because we need to seem competent. We cannot say no to the big party or the sporting event because we might miss out or our kids might miss out. We can't put down social media because we need people to see how awesome my life really is. We can't put down our phones because we need to know someone somewhere is thinking of me and has liked my latest post. All reasons for justifying our existence. And God has given us the Sabbath to be oriented in order to the truth that we are secured and justified in God. Our two boys, we try to make them take a nap every day. And we're not so much winning right now with our oldest uh, and man, you can tell the difference when he takes a nap versus when he doesn't take a nap. He's so much more pleasant and easy to be around when he takes a nap. What if we as adults have someone in authority over us telling us, hey, time to stop, take a nap. You're actually so much better when you take a nap. We do. It's called the fourth commandment. And God has all authority, and he has called us to stop and to rest on this one day to be reoriented and renewed in him. Here's the third question. Why should we observe it? Why should we observe this command? I think the first very obvious reason is that God commanded it. And I hope this whole series is showing you that God, God's commands are good for us, that they are the pathway to the best life for us. They're, they are steps we take to walk into the fullness of our humanity, the fullness of being in his image created with dignity. The second reason, reason is that God models it. Verse 11, in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, all that is in them, and it rested on the seventh day. It was God's pattern. We're in his image. It should be our pattern. The third reason is that it teaches us to relinquish control and to rest in God's care. The Sabbath day is a day to let go of burdens, responsibilities, anxieties, and worries. All the churning that goes on within. And then turn to a God who never slumbers nor sleeps. To turn our hearts and our minds to him who never stops being actively involved in this world and in this city and in your life and in my life. For either God's always at work watching over the city and building his house, or you and I just need to go try harder. And the most compelling and best reason to observe the Sabbath is because the Sabbath is a day that teaches us to trust Jesus worked so we could rest. The only thing that can give us REM soul rest is to stop and look to Jesus. Because your work is going to always demand from you. 
Your family will always demand from you. The allure to always be connected will demand from us. And we have to remember the reasons we succumb to this is because we feel this need to justify ourselves and justify our existence. It's the gospel of Jesus that says you are justified. That the face of the living God looks at you and by faith in Christ Everything that Jesus has accomplished and done is credited and counted to us. That's why Jesus said on the cross, he cried out, it's finished. His work on earth is done. It's why he sat down at the right hand of the Father, because his work is done. Now you might go, it sure seems like there's still a lot of work to be done on earth. Well, every day since the cross and the resurrection... God the Father has been unfolding what Christ completed, doing so by the work of the Holy Spirit. Every day, God is making visible that which Christ has secured and has been invisible. Every day, he's just making it more and more visible here. So the Sabbath is a day to enjoy the finished work of Christ. I like to read poetry sometimes. Sometimes I'm too busy to read poetry. When an old seminary professor of mine put me on to Mary Oliver, a poet, 10 years ago. And this is a poem that she wrote titled, The Dream of My Life. This is what she writes. The dream of my life is to lie down by a slow river and stare at the light in the trees. To learn something of being nothing, a little while but the rich lens of attention. To learn something of being nothing a little while, but the rich lens of attention. The rich lens of attention is the Sabbath. This day that we behold Christ and all that God has done and will do. Let's ask this last question. How should we rest? How should we observe this commandment? Now, I'm not about to give, some of you are getting excited, because, but I'm not about to give you a list of do's and don'ts. I'm not about to give you a list of things you can and cannot do because I know every one of us is tempted in one direction this morning. You're either tempted to, to be negligent of the Sabbath and not observe it at all, which is called license, or you're tempted to want a strict list of do's and don'ts, what I can and cannot do, and you want to observe it correctly, and that's called legalism, and both rob the gospel of its power. I'm not going to give you either of those. Rest is a matter of the heart. The gospel is a matter of the heart. Remember how I said you could have all the right circumstances for a good night of sleep, but your mind and heart still churn and race. Uh, I think there are some habits, though, uh, not a list of do's and don'ts, but habits. Or as Felicia Wu Song said in a, a lecture Timothy and I went to uh, a few weeks ago, she called them counter liturgies or habits, things that we can put into our life that, that are counter the normal rhythms and daily liturgies we live into. And these habits or counter liturgies shape our hearts. And so let me give you some things that you can apply on how to observe the Sabbath. Here's the first. Stop. Learn to shut down the normal things you do on the other six days of the week. And you're going to have to be intentional and planned out to do this. Uh, again, I love the Jewish tradition. They would light, they do, light a candle on the night before their Sabbath, and it really is, it marks and indicates the start of the Sabbath, and it indicates it's time to shut everything down and to observe the Sabbath. I think we have to have a plan. 
to stop, a plan to turn off. So if you email for a living, don't email on the Sabbath. If you fish for a living, don't fish on the Sabbath. If you invest money for a living, don't look at your investments. Now realize there are some things you cannot stop, like taking care of your children. And there are some professions, like the health care professions, where acts of mercy are required on the Sabbath. And so just let me say, side note, that I, I believe there are seasons where this is not possible for some. Uh, for instance, I know we have a lot of medical residents in here that they feel like they're winning when they can come to church one out of four Sundays. And so I, I know there are seasons in your life uh, where this is hard. But let me encourage you, even if this is you and you're in a season like this, to have a community of people who are around you that will not let this go on forever. Here's the second thing to shut down and to stop. Shut down technology. Seriously. Try to put away your phone. Try not to get on the internet. And I realize that some of you, this, this feels like a risk, like you might fall behind in your career. And you know what that's called? It's called trusting God. So let me encourage you to do that. Again, Felicia Wu Song in her lecture, she noted how art museums now are, are suggesting when you enter into an art museum, turn off your phone. And the reason is that they don't want you walking around the art museum like this when there's so much beautiful art to behold. Now, my wife will joke with me. She's like, Danny, you're going to get stuck like this because I'm on my phone at different times of the day, just kind of don't even know it. But what if you turn off your phone and on the Sabbath day you lift your eyes to behold the beauty and the grandeur of what Christ has done and who God is? You know, she also noted uh, in her lecture uh, a recent Jewish wedding that she attended, and at the bottom of the bulletin, there was an asterisk, and it said, please turn off your phone. This place, the synagogue, is sacred. I like that, because the second way I think we can apply how to rest is worship. It's the worship of God's people on the Lord's day. Do we make it a priority to come and be with God's people? Now, I realize I'm talking to the choir because you're here today. But are you present with the rich lens of attention to Jesus when you're here? Or does the, the distraction of your busy to-do list come in? Or the lure of digital distraction get you in this place? Have you, have you looked at your phone while you've been here? I guarantee the majority of us have, right? Checking what's going on, connected we need to be present in this place with God's people, corporately singing, corporately praying, hearing his word preached, partaking of the sacrament. For this day is the day God has given us to be ushered in to this eternal rest, a taste of what is to come, the eternal Sabbath with God and his people. I also encourage you as you leave in the afternoons and evenings, spend time with friends and family, dwelling on Christ, worshiping God. So stop. Worship, here's the third, play. Play. You know, when God rested on the seventh day, he didn't rest because he was tired. God rested to take delight in his creation. He did not create the seventh day, uh, he did not create on the seventh day because he was enjoying his creation. And creating, leading, making decisions, all these things can tap us out. Do things that recreate you. Play on the Sabbath. 
Do things that are fun and enjoyable that you love to do. You know, Jewish, uh, the Jewish Sabbath was a feast. It is a feast. Three times a year they would travel to Jerusalem for annual feasts. They were with their family and their friends. They threw big parties because they loved having fun. The Sabbath day is a day to play and to have fun and to enjoy. The Sabbath day is primarily a day to behold God. And for God to become bigger and bigger in our hearts and in our minds. That he is the creator and that he is the liberator redeemer. C.S. Lewis, author of the series Narnia, writes in his book Prince Caspian about his children, uh, the children Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, all finding themselves in Narnia after a long absence. And, and let me read you a fairly long section from the book. He writes, Aslan, who is the Christ figure, Aslan, the great king and lion, is nowhere to be seen. Lucy, the youngest of children, particularly aches to see him. One night she wakes to a great stirring in the forest, to a voice calling her while the other children sleep. She ventures forth through the woods into a clearing. A circle of grass, smooth as a lawn, met her eyes, with dark trees dancing all around it, and then, oh joy, for he was there. The huge lion shining white in the moonlight with his huge black shadow underneath him. But for the movement of his tail, he might have been a stone lion. But Lucy never thought of that. She never stopped to think whether he was a friendly lion or not. She rushed to him. She felt her heart would burst if she lost a moment. And the next thing she knew was that she was kissing him and putting her arms as far around his neck as she could and burying her face in the beautiful, rich silkness of his mane. Aslan, Aslan, dear Aslan, sobbed Lucy at last. And the great beast rolled over on his side so that Lucy fell, half sitting and half lying between his front paws. And he bent forward and just touched her nose with his tongue, and his warm breath came all around her. And she gazed up into the large, wise face. Welcome, child, he said. Aslan said, Lucy, you are bigger that's because you're older, little one, answered he. Not because you are, I'm not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Christian, every year we grow, we find God bigger. And every Sabbath is a gift to us to come and experience and for our God to grow bigger and bigger in our hearts and in our minds. He's creator. He's the redeemer. We can rest because his work in Christ is complete. It's finished. And he is a God who never slumbers nor sleeps. He's always at work. Will you rest in him? Let's pray. God, I ask that you would help us, Lord, to see all that you have accomplished for us and by faith to let go, to lay our burdens at your feet, to trust in you, to trust your work on our behalf, to rest deeply in you, that Christ would become bigger and bigger so that our rest in you can be deeper and deeper. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.